Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Well, good morning. Boy, spring break happens, and this service is really hit because all of our college students come. And uh, boy, that's, that's just strange because it's usually filled with a, a lot of young people. I just got you old guys today. Oh, hey, uh, how great is your love? I want you to focus on that. Think about that for just a second. Uh, this this uh, Friday, this past Friday, I, I, had to, I, I got the privilege to do something that I have not been able to do uh, because my, my grandkids live so far away. I got to spend some time with my granddaughter, the three-year-old, and got to go to her grandparents' day. Now, can I just tell you, that was pretty amazing, uh, and get to go and see her. And, 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 and I just was thinking about, as we were singing the song, How Great Is Your Love. Uh, I love that little girl. I love little Ellie, and I, I love Vivian and, and, and Brooks and, and Blair. But, but that moment, I was just so proud. But I don't think that even compares to the love that God has for us so much that he would give his son. And so as we sing how great is our love, we need to let that just flow into our lives, into our hearts, and just bask in that for a little bit. So I just tell you, uh, when you sing that, realize that you are loved, loved so much that he died in your place. So, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. We're going to be in 1 John, the fifth chapter. We'll start in verse 13. 1 John, the, the, the fifth chapter, and start in verse 10, 15, 13, I mean. And you can get there on your device, or, or, or if you have a, a paper copy of the Bible, go ahead and turn there and leave it open, and leave it open. Uh, so... This is a book that was written a number of years ago, uh, back in the last century, if I'm not mistaken. All I really needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. It's by Robert Fulgham. And it's an interesting book because he just shares a lot of things that, that you learn in kindergarten that you still use a lot. In fact, in the introduction, there are 16 of them. And I'm just going to share a few of them with you because I think you need to know, okay? So, the first one is... The, the, the first one is share everything. That's kind of biblical, isn't it? It, it? it tells us that they had all things in common and they took care of each other. But, but that's one of the ones that is there. Share everything. Uh, the next one is don't hit people. Some of y'all have been picking on me. I'm just telling you, stop it right now, okay? Uh, but, but don't hit people. And boy, don't we need to hear that today uh, because it's got escalated in so many ways. And, and then the next one, put things back in their place. Put things... Now, that, I'm just going to share with you all, this is something that you need to know about me. I didn't go to kindergarten, okay? For some reason, my parents didn't send me to kindergarten. So you're thinking, that explains some stuff right there, okay? But it probably wasn't until I was about 30 that I learned that I needed to put my keys back in their place. And I would spend hours looking for these so that I could go somewhere. Uh, and so, you know, that one's kind of important. Put things back where you found them. And the next one is clean up your own mess. <sighs> if you have kids, you've said that a few times, okay? Sometimes I say it to staff around here. Clean up your mess, okay? And, and, and that's it. Wash your hands before you eat, okay? Learn that. And uh, uh, that, that saves you a lot of trouble. The next one, flush flush. Kind of an important skill that you need. And the last one, this is my favorite, take a nap every day. Amen? 
I don't believe you can be a Christ follower without taking a nap on Sunday afternoon. I'll just tell you right up front. So you take a nap every day. Now, if I were going to write a book, I would probably title it, I Learned Everything I Needed to Know in the Book of 1 John. I learned everything that I needed to know in the book of 1 John. The reason I say that is John writes this book, and over 40 times he uses that little word know in it. There's something that he wants us to know. And so he says repeatedly, know this, know this, know this. And when we know that, that's a good thing. Now, he was writing it because there were some false teachers. And this is what the false teachers would tell them. You can't know anything unless you have some special knowledge just from us. They were teachers that would use and and, and tell you, we'll give you that special knowledge if you'll give us a little money. And, And so they were using it for financial gain. And what John says in this book is there are some important things that we can know. In fact, that's the sermon in a sentence today is we must know. We must know, and there are some things that you're going to learn today, four of them, that are things that we know that will set us on the right path to do what God would have us do. So we we want to say, we must know, and we're going to learn that. I like the way Paul said it in, in, in 2 Timothy, the first chapter. He says, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That day is when Jesus returns. So he said, I know know who I believe and he can take care of things. And so today we're going to look at at 1 John, the the last part of the the book, and we're going to learn what we need to know. So 1 John, and this is 5, 13, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The first thing that we have to know is this, is that we have to know that we are saved. We have to know that we are saved. And throughout 1 John, he's been giving us some signs that will show us that we're saved. And this is what you need to understand, is saved people act differently. You don't act differently to be saved, but once you are saved, you begin to live differently. And so, it, and what he's done throughout this book, and we've seen it throughout this, this series called Prism, is some behaviors that saved people just naturally do. So there are five of them that I just pulled out that, that I want to remind you of that we talked about. Uh, the, the first one is that sin bothers us. When there's sin in our life, and we go all the way back to the first chapter, we confess sin. So sin bothers us. That's the first one. The second one is that we obey his commands. It says in there a couple of times that if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's Jesus. If we love him, we obey. And then the next one is that we love people. We love people. We love one another. We, we, we let people know that, that we are Christ followers. In fact, in John 13, 34, that says how, that's how people will know that we are Christ followers. The next one is that we are overcoming. If you were here last week, you heard a sermon about greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So that's a, that's a behavior. And then the last one we're going to learn a little bit about today is our prayers will be powerful. You see... And I want you to see this very clearly, is that when you have a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, it changes how you live, and that is the evidence that is there to show that you are saved. I was in high school, and I was laudering at the local mall. That's what you do when you're a teenager and you have nothing to do. You just go sit somewhere and hang out with your friends and watch people, and that's what I was doing. And a college guy came up to me, and this is the question he asked me. He said, "Uh, if you were to die right now, do you know that you would go to heaven? And I said, I hope so. 
boy, he, he jumped on me. I mean, it was, he, he said, you can know, and I'm sitting there. And this is the mindset I had at that time, and, and it's a kind of interesting, interesting mindset. It was that of a scorecard, okay? And, and the scorecard was, did I, confess, did I confess the sins that I had done? And, and if I hadn't confessed them, they could be used against me. But if I confess them, I'm good. But did I miss any of them today? The other one, did I do enough good to outweigh the bad? And you see, it was all about me. And when you're thinking that way, you can't know that you're saved. Because what if you mess up tomorrow? But, but what John says here is that you can know that you have eternal life. And the way that we know that is that it's not about us, but it's about Jesus. And it's about trusting him. It's not about that we check off that I, 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 I've confessed a sin or I've done more good than bad today. If, when I go to sleep tonight, I have no doubt that, that I'm saved. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He died in my place and I've trusted him. And there's a difference in my life that I hope people see. We can know that we're saved, and we must know that. There's a phrase I learned a couple of years ago, and, and, and it's just simply this. It says that we can rest in God's sovereignty. We can rest in God's sovereignty. That means that God is in charge. God has taken care of it. And if I've entrusted my life to him, I have nothing to worry about. And I tell you right now, in my life, I know that if this building collapsed on me right now, I know where I would stand. I would stand with my Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. And, and, and there is no doubt in my mind. And this is what I would tell you today. If you're not resting in God's sovereignty, if you don't have the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guarding your heart and mind, then you got a problem. And I had a couple of people come up to me afterwards, and, and this is what they said. Would you pray with me that I would have that? And the reason I shared that story about myself there, uh, about when I said I hope so, is because I think there's probably a few people in here today that are sitting here and they're saying, well, I hope so. I don't want you to leave here hoping. I want you to leave here knowing. Let's keep on reading. Let's keep on reading in 1 John and, and, and 5 and verse 14. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. I want confidence in approaching God. And this is what he says, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what, he, what we ask of him. Now, I want you to understand, this is about prayer, and we need to know that our prayers are answered. We need to know that our prayers are answered. And if you just saw in that, in, in that little verse, it tells us that the conditions of our prayers being answered is that we pray in God's will. How do we know God's will? Simply by going to His Word. We read his word, we spend time there, and then I can pray in his will. I pray that this church would grow. I know that's what God wants me to do, and he has answered that. I pray that people would be saved, and I know that God wants all people to be saved, and so we've seen people come to know Jesus Christ. I pray that marriages would be healed. Why? Because God wants, marriage, wants a marriage to reflect his glory uh, of, the, of the bridegroom, Jesus Christ, coming for the bride of the church. I prayed that, that, that people would be released from their addictions. And you know what? God has been answering that. But it's up to me to pray in his will. 
And when I pray in his will, you know what? God answers. I want you to see another verse in John, uh, the 14th chapter. And this is what it says. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. You can ask for anything in my name. Have you ever tried to pray, Lord, help me cheat? Can't do that in his name, can you? Lord, help me cheat on my wife. Lord, Lord, help me to steal. You see, once you put Jesus' name with so many things, it just doesn't work. And so as we look at this and as we think about this, I want you to understand that, that, that when we ask in his name, when we ask in his will, then God is going to answer us. Sometimes he's going to answer us, and I believe there are three ways that God answers us. Sometimes he answers us with a yes. I really like that. Anybody here like the yeses when you ask? How about this one, the no? No. And sometimes God has said no, and I've said, God, help me understand. I, I don't get it. And sometimes he said, wait. And there's two things that happen when he says, wait. The timing's not right, or a lot of times he's saying, Mike, you're not right. You need to get right. But this is what I tell you. You can know that your prayer will be answered. And if you get a no, you may struggle a little bit there, but just wait. You're going to understand what God's will is. And sometimes you're going to get a wait, and you know what? You just need to be patient, and you just need to keep praying. And I will tell you what's happened to me so many times in my life. I've prayed about something, and I've prayed about something, and I've prayed about something. And, and I just keep on taking it. Sometimes it, 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 it happens, but you know what happens a lot of time in that? God changes me and my desires. Because sometimes I can, I can be playing what I think is God's will and it's not. Or I can be praying for something in his name when really it really couldn't be done in his name. But this is what you need to know is your prayers will be answered. They will be answered. And if you're praying in his name and in his will, God's going to do some mighty things. Let's keep on reading. John, uh, the, 1 John, the fifth chapter, says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. You need to know that you're protected. We need to understand that we have God's protection on us. Did you catch what is said in that verse? It's so very important. It is that we will be kept safe. And, and, and that's, that's the way it is. Now, can I just be really honest with you? I, I was not, a, I've never been a senior pastor at a church until I came here. I was a campus minister. I was a youth minister. I, I directed camps, but I never led a church. And I had no idea uh, of, of what happened in, in a church. So this was my first time in, in, in uh, doing that. And the one thing that has hit me so very hard over the years is how Satan has attacked. In, 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 the, in the years that we have been here, Kathy and I have been here just over 10 years, we have watched Satan attack this church because it is growing, because it is making an impact in this community. And, and he has come after people, and, and there have been casualties of war. And I will tell you what, I have never seen anything like it. But I would also tell you, I've never seen the verse that we learned about last week, the, the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world, be true. 
And I've watched as, as we as a church have prevailed in a mighty way in, in God work. But why is that? Because we are protected. Now, I like the way Paul said it. We read this verse already in 2 Timothy, but I want you to see it again. I know who I am believed, okay? That's Jesus Christ. He knows that he's believed Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day when he returns. What Paul's saying is, I've given my heart and my soul to Jesus. I don't have anything to worry about because he is capable of taking care of that until he returns. And then I will be with him for all eternity. I hope every single person can say that today. I want you to see one more thing. And this is from John, the 10th chapter in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice, okay? People that listen to the, to the voice of Jesus are very, very important. You, you're listening. I know them and they follow me, okay? They're listening and they're following. And then on top of that, he says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that's a powerful verse. It reminds me that I am protected and that Satan cannot touch me. In fact, I have this verse, or this, this saying that I heard a couple of years ago. We are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. Can you say that with me? We are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. I want you to hear this. This, is, this, this, this little saying has really helped me. Uh, we went to Nepal back in October, and, and uh, there were some things that we were going to do that, that scared me a little bit. We were going to fly on a little plane into Joomla, Nepal, okay? That's where Kevin and Cynthia, our missionaries there, are, are, are working. And it was a little plane. It held about 15, 16 people. And what I knew is that a week and a half before we were to go, one of those little planes had landed in Joomla because you come down pretty hard, and, and, and a part fell off, and it kind of wrecked off to the side, okay? And it was laying there on the, 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 the tarmac waiting to be repaired. So I know that. I'm getting on this little plane, and I'm thinking, okay, it could die, okay? But then I said to myself, we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. So we're flying into Joomla, and I'm looking out the front because I'm practically sitting in the pilot's lap, and I'm looking out the front, and, and, and there is a mountain right in front of us. I'm going, we're going to die. And then I said, we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. I figured he was through with me at that point, Okay. And, and Michelle and Tim, too, okay? So, so I'm looking out there, and then the plane begins to turn, and I said, all right, all right, we're going to see the runway now, and there's another mountain right there. Okay, we are going to die. But, but then it turns more, it keeps on turning, and then I see the runway, and I see the wrecked plane off to the side. And I look over to the seat next to me, and in the seat next to me are the parts to, pick, to, to fix the plane that's on the tarmac. Oh, I am so glad this is true, <laughs> that we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with it. And I'm so glad he's not through with me. So it gets worse. I had to fly in a helicopter. I don't like helicopters. I don't like horses, spiders, and helicopters, okay? Uh, that, that's, that's my list, okay? Those are the things I'm afraid of. And if a horse shows up here tomorrow, somebody's in trouble. Uh, <laughs> But, but, but I, I'm just telling you, so the, I had to get on this helicopter and we fly into this, 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 this little town that, that we've helped as a church, that we've rebuilt, and it's right where the earthquake central was there in Nepal. And we're flying in, and, and the mountain is like this, and on the side of the mountain is cut a volleyball court. 
Okay, it's not a big place to land a helicopter. So there on this side are a bunch of rocks with people sitting on them. The end of the rotor is about here to the front row. And over on this side, about 15 feet away, are trees. Now, this is what's going through my mind. If a good stiff wind comes in, we're dying. Okay, because we're going to hit the people on the rocks and they're dying or we're going to hit the trees and then it's just going to be pretty. But all the time going through my mind is that we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. We landed. I got out. And I'm so thankful that we are untouchable as long as we're on this earth until God is through with us. But then the helicopter came back. And the pilot wasn't the same. And he says, I'm not landing there. It's not safe. I said, I knew that the first time. Okay, because uh, I knew I was going to die, but fortunately I didn't. And so he decides he's going to land on top of a little pile of rocks, and he doesn't power the helicopter down. He just kind of keeps it there, and it's teetering back and forth on the rocks. And so we had to run around it to get in the door. I jump in on the floor, okay? And the whole time I'm thinking, we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. And finally, after everybody gets in, we lift off. We lift off, and Kevin looks at me, he says, Mike, you're white as a sheet. <laughs> I said, I knew I was going to die. But then it reminded me again, we are untouchable on this earth until God is through with us. Folks, we are protected. And that should give us a confidence to move where God wants us to move. One more, one more thing that you need to know, and we find it in, in, in 1 John, the fifth chapter in verse 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being his son, by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. The, the, the fourth thing that we need to know is that we need to know the truth, Jesus we need to know the truth, Jesus. John 14 and verse 6 says this, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, okay? And, and so we need to know Jesus. He is the truth. Now, why do we need to know Jesus' the truth? Is because Satan is a liar, okay? You need to understand that Satan is a liar, and we need to know the truth. In fact, I want us to look at, at John 8 and verse 44, you belong to your father. Jesus is talking to some evil people. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So this lying is going on all the time around us. Satan is lying to us, and we need to know the truth. Let me tell you some of the lies that he uses. And, and, and we will all fall for these probably at some point in our life. He says, you know what? You have value. This is what Satan says. You have value by who you are and what you have. So, so the more stuff that you have, the more value you have. But you know what Jesus says? He says, no, that's a lie. You have value because I came and died on a cross to you. God says you have value because I paid the price so that you can be with me all your life because you gave Jesus. Because you gave Jesus. That's where our value comes from. Or how about this one? Uh, that Satan says, you need to accumulate as much money and the stuff of earth as you can because that's so very important. You, you gotta grab for all of that. But what does Jesus say? Give it away. 
That's the truth. You give it away. That's where you're going to find satisfaction. Everybody that I know that has lots of stuff are always looking for more. But those that are giving away, they have the satisfaction of knowing that they are making a difference. You see, Satan is a liar. And he is the father of lies. Now, let me tell you how you're going to know the truth. You walk with him every day in the Gospels. We will know the truth by walking with him every day in the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they record how Jesus lived on this earth. Every single day, I go to the, to the book of Mark, or to the book of Matthew, or to the book of Luke, or John, and I spend some time with Jesus. And I begin to see the truth and how it works. Uh, If you're walking with Jesus and and, and you begin to see some things that are so easy, as you pick this up and read it, you you begin to understand what what Jesus can do. There there are these these, uh, fishermen, and they've been fishing all night, and they haven't caught anything. And and they think the truth of the matter is, there are no fish out there tonight. And along comes the truth, Jesus. And what does he say? Cast your nets on the other side. And what was the truth of the situation? There were lots of fish when they listened to Jesus. Or they were in the back of the boat, or they were in a boat and the storm came in and they said, oh, we're going to perish, we're going to drown right here. Jesus, don't you care? And, And the truth, Jesus said, hold on, everything's all right. And what did he do? He calmed the storm and calmed them. Well, I need to hear that sometimes because I can get worked up about so much and that's why I need the truth in my life. Or how about the time when, when the, the truth was they didn't have enough food to feed 5,000 people? Some of you right now are thinking, I don't have enough to take care of the needs that I have. Let me tell you, you need to be with the truth because when you're with the truth, you see a, a man that can take what's in a lunchbox and feed thousands of people. That's what happens when the truth shows up. Or, or they, were, they, were, they were having a funeral. They were burying this guy named Lazarus, and he's been dead for, th- for three days. And they thought the truth of the matter was, we got a dead guy on our hands. In fact, it even says that he probably stinks by now. But then the truth shows up, and the man walks out of the grave. One day we're all going to do that when the truth shows up, and we'll be with him for all eternity. You see, walking with Jesus allows the truth to be in your life, and you'll begin to see things in a different way. Some things that we must know. We must know that we are saved, folks. And if you don't know that, see me today. We must know that our prayers are answered. When we know that, what do we do? We will actually pray. We will actually get down on our knees and talk to God. We must know that we're protected. And when we know that we're protected, we will launch out to do big things for our God. And when we know the truth, it will help us navigate the lies of Satan in this world, and we will do so much more for him. I want you to see John ends the book of 1 John in a very strange way. This is the last verse. This is the last verse. It says, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. (laughs) He just said, No, no, no. No, but this kind of comes out of the blue. But can I tell you what an idol is? It is anything that stands between us and God. It's anything that takes our eyes off of him. And you know what happens is that when there's an idol there, we stop knowing, we stop trusting, we, 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 stop, we, we, stop, we, we, we stop thinking about our God who is more in us than, he, than, than anything that's in the world. And we begin to lose focus. 
If you're serving communion, you can go ahead and head back right now. But, but I want you to understand this. There are things that can be idols in our lives. In fact, I want you to see this, this statement. If you don't have time to spend with Jesus every day and with his people weekly, then we have an idol problem. If you don't have time to spend time with Jesus every day and with him weekly, you got an idol problem. That means you're going to take your eyes off of him you're going to begin to, to wonder about your salvation. You're, you're going to begin to move outside of his protection. You're, you're going to begin to not bother to pray. Why? Because we've set something up between us and God. And it pulls us away. We do this thing every week here. And it's called communion. And, and we're getting ready to do that today. And, and, and it's just simply this. It's when we refocus our eyes back on Jesus through taking a little bit of bread and holding it and remembering his body that was broken, through taking a little bit of juice and remembering his blood that was shed. And as we do that, it's a time that we can say, I'm done with those idols that have set themselves up. I'm done having the doubts because I'm going to go back to Jesus and have him reassure me that I have salvation. I want to hear his voice today so that I'll know that I'm protected. So in these next few minutes, folks, it's about us coming back to what we know is true and that Jesus loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And through that, I can know that I'm saved. And through that, I can know my prayers are answered. And through that, I can know that I'm protected. And through that, I can know the truth that will help me deal with the lies of Satan. Pray with me as we prepare. Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. And uh, right now, I ask that you will clear our minds and hearts. Father, if there are idols in our life, help us to knock them down so that we can see you clearly. Father, I pray that as we take this little bit of juice and a little bit of bread, that we will again remember, that we will again remember that we have salvation and that we are protected for all of time. Father, help us. Help us in these next few minutes to focus on you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.